As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Teen Girl Talk. Teen Girl Talk. I'm Susie Coda. I'm Franklin Coda. And this week, we are the final girls. Back a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but before we get to that, I have more good news. We have a giveaway. Um, it is for the movie Love and Monsters, which is a Paramount Home Entertainment. They have been very good to us, and... They gave us five copies to give away. This time I'm going to have the giveaway go a little bit longer. So it'll be going on for about two weeks. All you need to do is email us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. And you can get this movie starring Dylan O'Brien. Um, he is a Teen Girl Talk favorite, Maze Runner, Teen Wolf. And I particularly like him because <laughs> during the beginning of the quarantine... Um, he participated in an Instagram, I, I don't know, series where they did um, the social network, which I was watching obsessively at the beginning of the quarantine. I'm just going to cold the sack real quick right here. Uh, and he played Andrew Garfield's character and he did a fantastic job. The amount of emotion. Oof. Give me chills. So, also... Oh, go ahead, Frank. I was going to ask, did he, like, slam a cafeteria tray down, like, when he smashes uh, Jesse Eisenberg's laptop? I'm not... I can't remember what he slammed down, but he got the mannerisms perfect. There's a point where, um... Whatchamacallit? Eduardo is yelling at, uh... 
Justin Timberlake's character, he plays uh, Sean Parker. And there is a hand gesture that Dylan O'Brien got perfectly from Andrew Garfield. So it's it's little little touches like that that I appreciate. So on to Love and Monsters. Dylan O'Brien plays Joel Dawson, who has been living underground uh, since giant creatures had taken over and living off of the land. And his ex-high school girlfriend, Amy, plus played by Jessica Henwick, is 80 miles away and they connect again over radio. I'm hoping it's ham radio. And he decides that against all odds and all logic, he is going to travel to 20 miles to find her. So again, you can have a free very own digital copy from uh, Paramount Pictures if you email us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. So let's get into it. Oscar is just like wrapping himself around this coffee table leg and reaching out to me. Because for the first time in, like, since, you know, this whole thing started, Susie and I are actually recording in the same room. And uh, we still managed to have audio technical difficulties <laughs> because it would not be an episode of Teen Girl Talk if there was not some sort of uh, issue with the audio. So, um, we are in our third week of Monstober. We can actually sing things up. <laughs> I know, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> I took notes. And Frank and I watched this movie, uh, again, this is kind of a teen girl talk first. We watched this movie within an hour of each other, and Frank prepared me to love this film, and I did. Okay, so yeah, I think we said last week we were going to do The Final Girl, starring Abigail Breslin and Wes Bentley and a bunch of other awful-looking, not... Awful white dudes in the movie. I'm not sure how they are in real life, but like, and I start watching. I'm like, oh boy, I'm not ready for this. This looks like <laughs> it's gonna be bummer city. Um, so we talked on Sunday. I was like, why don't we just switch over to the final girls, mm-hmm. which it looks looks a lot better. Yeah. It looked a lot more fun, and it was. It was yeah. so much fun. <laughs> I I don't think that Adam Devine has been in a film yet that is a bummer. No, he's it's got- like it's not his brand, not his style. I feel like you see Adam Devine, and you're like, I'm in for a romp. Well, I mean, it's like Jenna Fisher said, like she's like, I like doing comedy. I don't care about being a dramatic actress. Like, I'm not going to win an Oscar for comedy, but I don't give a fuck. I mean, I think that's great when people are like, I know my lane, I'm comfortable in it, and I don't feel like I need to sort of travel out due to ego. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think it's important to to follow not even just, like, where your talents lie, but, like, interests. I, I know there's one director, I can't remember their name currently, but, like, they say, like, I like using uh, comedic actors in dramatic roles because they give a lot more, um, they give, like, performances you wouldn't really expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, besides... Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love, like, I'm okay with people just doing their thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, <laughs> like, so Susie and I actually have already watched a slasher movie for Teen Girl Talk. We watched the first Friday the 13th. Ugh. It, it was so boring that Susie and I didn't even, I think we did, like, a 10-minute episode of it and then, like, read some listener emails 
I feel like nothing happened in that movie. Yeah. Well, this movie is a deconstruction of, like, slasher films in general. Like, literally Friday the 13th. Yeah, and, I mean, it hits all of the beats. So, the film opens, Melon Ackerman is playing a camp counselor, and she is bright and sunny and super innocent, and um, she is about to sleep with Adam Devine, who plays, like the foolhardy jock character. And so we see her reclining on um, a bed. She's sprayed perfume in the air. She's like candles. It, it, we are very much being signaled that tonight is the night. And Adam Devine comes in and makes a gross joke about stealing cherries. Not gonna, not gonna investigate that. <laughs> and then the killer, Billy, comes in and murders. So... We kind of come out of that scene to um, present day. Malin Ackerman looks basically the same 20 years <laughs> later. And she is talking to her daughter, played by... F- Tessa Farmiga. I'm sorry? Tessa Farmiga. Yeah. And she um, has been kind of hanging out in the car, looking at her mom's headshots. This I thought was interesting. It seems like she's watching a clip of her mother... of. Um, what is it called? Camp Bloodbath, the the movie that the this film. So okay, it's it's bound to get confusing because there's layers and layers in this film. Um, and Frank and I are are not necessarily sticklers for <laughs> running down the timeline or describing things I, in detail. I, I think she's watching the trailer for it, like on her phone. On her phone, it's true, but it doesn't look like like an iPhone or anything like that. It almost looks like a digital camera. I don't know. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting because it made me think of It Follows and how It Follows could be set in almost any time, but there's also that clamshell e-reader. Mm. So I was wondering if that was sort of like playing a little bit with the technology and the what time this takes place. Because also, there's a mention of Facebook, but we don't see a ton of... Like, we see an iPhone... But there aren't a lot of markers to sort of let us know exactly what year or, like, what time frame the present day takes place in. Because we are almost immediately going to be kicked back to Camp Bloodbath in the 80s. Okay, well, we know... I think it's the supposed... I think it... Let's see. This movie came out in 2015. So I think it's supposed to be the... What the, the, the time our heroes are, you know, doing their thing, is the 30th anniversary of Camp Bloodbath? I thought it was the 25th. Because Malin Ackerman says, that was 20 years ago, when are people going to move on from it? And then we see the car accident. And then three years later is the anniversary, the theater anniversary. Okay. Because I would put it at 2009. What what iPhone was out then? <laughs> the first iPhone. It was like okay. an iPhone three. All right. Uh, I mean, because that's that's the year I got my first iPhone. Okay. Well, well, I, I, this I, is I think, not incredibly <laughs> important. Yeah, well, I'm like we're splitting hairs. Let's get into talking about. We're very much in the weeds right now. Um. So <laughs> we get an exchange between Max, uh, the daughter, and Malin Ackerman's. Um, what is her name? Amanda? Uh, we are... 
sort of elegantly given a little bit of exposition about um, how the mom picks the wrong type of guy and she really wants to be a good example for her daughter and she feels like she's let her daughter down and her um, Max says like, no, of course not. You know, I love you. But she's also like, but we need to play, pay the electric bill. Mm -hmm. And then Max drops her soda on the um, pile of headshots and her mom, uh, who had been singing along to Bette Midler eyes. Uh, Betty Davis eyes. Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> um, so that's a Rod Stewart song originally, right? I, I don't know. Uh, so she swerves and they're in a real time accident, um, car accident. And then we flash forward three years to Max is living with her aunt. She's best friends with Aaliyah Shawkat's uh, character. Gertie. Gertie, which, uh, interesting name for a uh, 17-year-old in the mid-2000s, or, like, something 2000s. Uh, it's a Kim Carnes song, Betty mm -hmm. Davis Eyes. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, um, Gertie is just, uh, like... Uh, Gertie is saying, like, oh, man, like, Chris wants to study with you, like... You guys should totally like, it, it, like you should, like, was she? What did he say? Do you want to come study? Or do you want to come study? <laughs> the funniest part about this is, is that Gertie is hanging out with them. They're just in a diner. It's not like. <laughs> and uh, and I think um the guy and Chris is just like a big beautiful hunk of man. He like, really is. He's one of the best love interests we have had to date. Yeah. Um, and Thomas oh Middle... Oh, I was right. He's Kato from The Hunger Games. Oh, shit. He totally is, isn't he? Yeah. He was um, such a jerk in that movie. He really <laughs> <Redemption>. was. Redemption. <laughs> uh, so Thomas Middleditch plays Gertie's half-brother, um, step-brother, and he is a super horror movie buff. What do, what do the Camp Let Bath fans call themselves? Uh, batheticians. <laughs> I did not understand that. Is like, it like mathematicians? <laughs> so, so rowdy. Um. Yeah, you cannot. He's been rubbing up all on your stuff. He's like all hopped up on sense. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about uh, Oscar. This is like the first time he hasn't run away from me. <laughs> um. This is only like the third time Frank's met him. Yeah, so, um... And I'm sorry for the, the crinkle noises. Just know it's a cat settling on a crinkly plastic back. <laughs> so he has a yanker to run away from him. Anyway. Um, I'm so glad we got this cat play-by-play. -play. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they're good at math, and they love camp bloodbath. Uh, I think that's why. Did he... I don't think he mentioned math. <laughs> no, he, he says something about... Well, he said something about mathematics. Is I, I was getting the feeling that he was going to be a... He's after it again. Um, <laughs> he's going, he was against Chris. Because, like, you know, he's like, oh, like, I'm a, ni like a nice guy. And Chris is just some stupid, you know, Chad jock. Well, he refers to Adam Devine's character as, like, some sort of slang for, like, a jock hunk. Yeah. Um, he does not use the adventures and babysitting term bohunk, though. It is deeply disappointing. <laughs> You stupid uh, bohunk! So, um, Duncan convinces... That's uh, Thomas Middleditch, if yeah, you haven't said his name uh, already. Um, Duncan convinces, like, says he'll do all of Max's classics homework, 
And that's how he basically, you know, extorts her to coming to the movie. Because she is the daughter of, you know, one of the main actresses in Camp Bloodbath. Like, I always find that so interesting. Like, you know, screen, the screen queen culture and, like, horror movie fan culture. Because, like, apparently there's this one, um... One girl, one, 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 I forget the actress's name, but she was, like, famous for being put on a meat hook in the first, Ugh. um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, like, people would come up to her with the, her, like, hanging from the meat hook thing, and she's like, yeah, sure, sign it. Oh, like, God, I would not be that understanding. <laughs> um. I'd be, like, backing away slowly and avoiding eye contact. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, like, so they show up, Chris shows up. And is just being all kinds of adorable all over the place. Oh, at the premiere, you mean? Yeah. Uh, at the, um, the, it's a double feature of Camp Bloodbath and Camp Bloodbath 2, Summer... Okay, so I guess it's not a premiere as much as a, uh, anniversary showing. Yeah. A double header, <laughs> if you will. And then, um, a character who I initially just did not care for shows up. Uh, she looks so familiar. That's not Nancy from Stranger Things, is it? No, that's Natalie Dyer. This is um, what is her name? Mina Dobrev. It's Vicky. Um, Vicky Summers. She's from Degrassi. Oh, okay. And um, from the Vampire Diaries. Okay. She means something else. We did. Um, but she is like a straight A student, thanks to Adderall addiction. Um, I thought. It so funny that she showed okay so she plays this great sort of monologue where she pulls up with a guy in a truck and she's um telling chris and max how you know they just happen to want to go to this horror movie double feature and chris is like really because he they dated for seemingly a while and um, Gertie has said, you know, oh, did you see what she posted on Facebook? It's, like, so pathetic and sad. And um, then uh, Max and Chris are kind of like, I don't know, what, basically whatever about the whole thing. She, I'm sorry, what is her character's name Vicky. again? Vicky, somehow, in the two minutes it takes all of the... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To walk into the theater, ditches the, the Letterman jacket guy she was with and said he got very sick very quickly. Gertie does not seem to buy this at all. She also doesn't remember what his name is, despite saying it like three sentences yeah. before. Which is such a power move. Like Yes. And so, um, they... Oh, I mean, Chris is very sweet. He tells Max he's going to go get popcorn and put M&M's in it. So each bite is suspenseful. And Max kind of doesn't react to this. But I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I I was spitzing. Like, I was like, this is amazing. And um, Gertie and Max are kind of trading off looks about this whole situation. Oh, and also, let me mention, Chris... Um is very like he's also very attentive to Max's like emotional health. I was gonna say almost her emotional weather. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he's just like, "Are you okay? Like, are you okay being here? Like, is this like basically is this bringing anything up? Like, yeah. can I help? <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, but, Oscar. <laughs> but I'm just like, damn, I want to date Chris. <laughs> I know. Chris is like the quintessential thoughtful boyfriend. Um, so once they are in the film. And I loved how the beats in this scene um, were sort of orchestrated. They all sit down. We get a panning shot of the order they're in. So it goes, um, what is Thomas Thomas Middle? Thomas Middle. Middle. Gertie, Vicky, Chris, and then Max. And... Um, the movie's going on. We're seeing the crowd reacting to it. We see a man light up a joint. And then we see two guys passing a bottle of liquor together. And the minute that bottle of liquor slipped out of the guy's hands, I was like, there's going to be a fire. So <laughs> the, the liquor bottle rolls to down. So it must be stadium seating, older theater. They don't, you know, they're not doing the tiers or the um, recliners. The liquor bottle rolls down to the front of the theater, leaving a trail of booze. The joint is flaked in slow-mo, mm-hmm. hits the trail of liquor, immediately ignites. The camera follows the fire as it's running up the trail of liquor up the theater. They went to the trouble to have the bottom of someone's converse on fire. Because think about it. They were stepping in the liquor. They crossed their legs. Oh, wow. So it's, when it's sweeping through, it picked up the liquor on the bottom of their shoe. So you- Max had just gotten up because she was like, I need some air. I got to step out. And Chris is like, are you okay? And she's like, no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> so we see Max turn around in slow motion horror, obviously. And everyone, you know, it's chaos. It's mayhem. And then we see a lone figure sort of disappear a lone figure that's backlit with curtains on either side disappear and then the screen goes black. The screen went black so long, I thought... So I was watching it on um, a little screen because I'm not going to go into it, but Frank and I only rent the movie once and I was watching it on Frank's account. (gasps) Don't snitch. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to go through all the trouble of signing in on my Xbox. So I'm watching it on the tiniest screen. So I assumed my phone had gone to sleep. And then I was like, oh, shit. No, they really did do that long of a black screen just to basically reset us. 
Because when everyone comes to, they're in the middle of the forest. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, the, the exits are being, just to, the exits are being clogged by people. And Max yells at Duncan, is there a exit behind the stage? And so they cut through, like, there's a hole that's just shining light through the yeah. thing. And they run through. Um, and But they come to, as they say, in a forest. This reminded me a lot of Jumanji. Yeah. Like, this came first. <laughs> um, and can can you believe this movie was only made for $4.5 million? Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of money, Frank. That's a shit ton of money. Okay, There's well, like I mean, eight people in this cast. There's no campers. Okay, well, I was going to say just like... No, because for me, like, just like... Because this is, movie is so well f- filmed with so many awesome, just interesting camera angles and whatnot... Like, I just, for me, I just, like... I would say all the money is on the screen, because we will later see a Trans Am explode, and, you know, but think, and there's, like, a lot of CGI work, like, green mm-hmm. screen work, which I only knew from the bloopers, because I can literally never tell, almost never can I tell, when they are actually driving in a car, and when they are green screen driving in a car. Yeah. All right, so, um, so, they all wake up in the forest, and they're like, can anybody get a signal, uh... And then all of a sudden, a very familiar yellow VW van pulls up, and um, a... What song is it blasting? Mickey, You're So Fine. (laughs) It is so quintessentially 80s. (laughs) Um, And it pulls up, and Tina um, is just like, hey, do you guys know the way to camp? Uh, What is the camp's name? Uh, Bluefinch? Something. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then and they're just like, what? And then she's like, all right, cool. And they just leave. And yeah. then, like, 92 minutes later, and the, the, the movie tells you, like, 92 minutes later, the same VW van shows up, even though they've been walking for 92 minutes. Yeah. And she's like, hey, do you know the way to camp? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's just like, and Duncan's like, I know. Oh, and the, the, van, the van peels off. He's like, not wait, wait a minute. And he says his clock, 92 minutes passes, and the van shows up again. Like, he's literally counting down to the second. And so then he tells um, the the movie characters that they are new counselors, um, fresh this year, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, get in the van. And so the rest of uh, sort of the compatriots are like, I don't know, I'm not so sure. And he's like, uh, I would love to know what other options you think we have. <laughs> and so they all climb in the van. And we had seen from when they were um, viewing the film in the movie theater that Malin Ackerman is going to come too. Like she's, she's sleeping, come too. She's going to wake up. <laughs> um, and what's so funny is that I don't know, I, I'm i not super familiar with uh, how carpooling works back then, because it doesn't seem like, what's Adam Devine's character's name? Kurt. Kurt and Nancy knew each other before this, but he said, but they're all riding in the same car, and he says, you know, wake up Sleeping Beauty, and she wakes up and opens the back curtains to the van. And so they. But, I mean, they're all dressed for except for except for Kurt, who's wearing a crop top that somebody makes fun of. <laughs> I thought that was such a great because in uh, what should we call it? Friday the Thirteenth. There's a crop top. Yeah, um, and, and like I think it's like, so he's like, you guys are dressed weird, 
And I think... he, no, he makes a face. He goes, your clothes are... He says, are you guys poor? You look poor. Your clothes are... <laughs> I, he was perfect in this role. I, oh, was, yeah. I was honestly sorry to see his character die. And, <laughs> um... like, maybe five minutes later in the movie, someone will say, I'm glad you die. And Adam... And Kurt says, what? <laughs> I think it's... I think it's Vicky. That's it. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, they arrive at the they arrive at the camp. Um, there's Blake, um, and like Max is just kind of starstruck to not like starstruck, but just like struck by her mother is there again. Yes, but it's not really her mom. It's, and she's trying to act kind of cool, you know, because at this point, because it's twenty years earlier, Nancy slash Max's mom is. You know, in her early 20s, she's sort of trying to figure things out as this movie character. This is what I was saying. It's going to get kind of confusing because the movie will also start treating Nancy like she's been melded with Max's mother. So we get kind of an interesting duality where the character is talking about its dreams and desire or not. It's her dreams and desires, but it's also actually Max's mom. Yeah, it's So, weird. I mean, <laughs> you have to, like, stay with us. Stay fluid. Because <laughs> there is going to be, like, a lot of projection happening. Uh, Nancy on Max and Max on Nancy. Yeah. Um, so. And a lot of weird jokes with Kurt talking about threesomes. Yeah. So, um, whatchamacallit. They arrive at the camp. Um. Uh, I, I forget how they like they start wandering away. Oh, I think they realize. Oh my God, we're in Camp Bloodbath, and like. Well, they start talking to Kurt about how they need to use his van, and then Kurt makes the most inexplicable move of the entire movie, <laughs> where after he's done like making weird jokes at their expense, he throws his keys into some underbrush and says. You can use it if you can find the keys. What the fuck is Kirk going to do when they need to leave at the end of summer? Or God forbid they want to go to town mid-camp. This is the second movie we've seen this year where somebody throws their keys into some woods and has to go retrieve them. It's very, it's super confusing. So. <laughs> like, that's the opposite of a power move, because there's no way, like, you're going to be able to make that look cool when you eventually have to go find your keys. And the only way to brush through Ivy is, like... On your hands and knees. Like, you can't... You're not gonna just eyeball them, like, on sight. Oh, my keys are there. They are definitely... So, I think... I, I really feel like... Like, this movie seems like everything is done with intent. So, I think this is supposed to show us what a short-sighted jackass Kurt is. <laughs> um, because I cannot imagine what other reason someone would do that. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah. And also, it's just, like, it's so... Such a bizarre way to allow someone to use their car. <laughs> like, like, imagine you were asking to borrow my car, and I threw my keys in the road, and they got run over. And I'm like, you can figure out a way to start my car. You can borrow it, but be careful with it. Like, you can't... The key fob was run over. How the fuck are you going to borrow the car? Okay, Frank, can I borrow your, your guitar? I smashed it on the ground, fix it, and you can. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, it's like, I was like... Oh, so, I'm sure I've discussed it on the show recently, but I've been watching a shit ton of Judge Judy, and my mother and I... Are always like, what are all of these sort of? There's always like a very convoluted barter system that comes into play, and Judge Judy tires of these 
almost immediately. So it's always like, well, they were living in my house rent free, but then they were supposed to clean the home and feed and water like my horses, but then a horse died. Like, and then it almost immediately unravels like two to three months in. And I feel like Kurt is the kind of character that grows up to be a person that has made some bad bartering deals and ends up on Judge Judy. <laughs> and then he would hit on Judge Judy and she would just throw her gavel at him. Judge Judy 1000% would yell at Kurt. Another sidebar. They had a Judge Judy episode <laughs> on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David got away with so much crosstalk. I was like, Judge Judy would never allow that. Judge Judy would not care if you want to know if the water's filtered or not. He interrupted so much. It was so unrealistic. I know that Curb Your Enthusiasm is mostly improv, but I was like, as a person who has watched no less than 100 episodes of Judge Judy in the past four months, that's horseshit. I'm, I'm just waiting for the day somebody demands a trial by combat. Anyway. Um, I feel like Judge Judy would be like, I'll allow it. <laughs> but you had to fight me. <laughs> uh, and she just pulls out a Zywiger, which is like a giant two-handed sword. <laughs> Okay, another real quick tangent. <laughs> I got obsessed with that doc- Netflix documentary, um, American Murder, The Family Next Door. And I'm not a true crime person. I know I can't handle it. I'm very realistic about that. I Netflix was like, hey, you want to watch this? And I was like, well, I've watched Mad Men 80 bazillion times, so maybe I do. And then I was horrified. Apparently, it's like one of the worst sort of stories to get traction on the internet. It's It was really pretty horrific. Um, but then I couldn't stop watching interrogation videos. So then I was watching on YouTube interrogation videos of this horrible, I'm not going to go into detail, but the murderer had a bunch of swords and I was just like, wow. And, like, the cops were trying to ask him about all these swords. And they were like, why do you have three guns and swords? And he's like, I don't know. Because he had gone into this, like, catatonic state while they were interrogating him. They were like, so you have three guns and you've never shot them. And he's like, yes. And they were like, and all these swords. They called it a knife collection. He's like, I have swords. And I was like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, There is a video game where it's like everything is video. um, Where you you have to, like, figure out, like, you're interrogating people to figure out they're lying. Um, I am so surprised that that did not happen in any of the Grand Theft Autos. Well, actually, Rockstar made a game called... <laughs> um, oh, actually. Oh, sorry. You didn't push your glasses up. I'm joking. Oh, well, it's called... <laughs> As if I was serious about the glasses, but Frank did, like, a little a non-committal glasses <laughs> It's called... The game is called L.A. Noir. And it had oh, the, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it looks like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it was same engine and whatnot. Um, but the thing is, like... The way they did the face acting is you had, like, you know, the actors had to emote really big so you could kind of, like, tell by the facial cues. And, like, um, like, but also when the game first came out, it was, like, truth, doubt, um, lie. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, you'd hit the doubt thing, like, that's the middle between truth and lie. And he would just suddenly go, like, fucking, like, your character go fucking nuts. He's like, I know you killed her! Her head was in your, like, it was in your... It doesn't work as doubt at all! (laughs) And, like, then they, like, they re-release it, and they re-release it as it was supposed to be, which was good cop, bad cop, lie. (laughs) 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 So, like, because people just like, why are you going so hard? (laughs) And then, like, somebody, they'd come back at you, and, like, you would just be like, 
Sorry. Sometimes you have to shake the tree to see what falls out. Just completely calm. <laughs> I can't. So the inter- there's uh, apologies to this YouTube channel because they do a great job. But they go over the different interrogation styles. It's like CSI something YouTube. I, uh, I'll i have... Uh, no, I don't want anyone to watch it. It's, it's very upsetting. I was telling my therapist about it today and how it's made me like very paranoid. And she's like, they will do that. I want you to stop watching true crime stuff. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely... Because I just... I can't handle it. But they talk about all of the different sort of um, persuasive styles as well as, um, like, styles used to make people feel hopeless. I was like, I would never be good at this. Ever, ever. I I liked that there was, like, some machine. I mean, this will be the last thing, then we're going to move back into Final Girl. <laughs> um, there was, like, somebody, like, invented a machine where there was, like, a skeleton in the room with you, and, like, it would force you to, like, confess your sins to it. Oh, my gosh! I saw that on Tumblr! I didn't think that was real! <laughs> so, anyway, okay. So Frank to... drops that gem, and then it's like, um, moving on, pushing forward. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find it and post it on the Facebook, but it's, it's like, you're just, like, there's a hole in the... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or like if a skeleton talks to you, I'm just like, what? Like, I mean, I would confess my sins if I was in the room with a skeleton. <laughs> I'd be too scared. We see the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Um, he's talking to that skeleton in the little cage next to him. Oh, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok is such a good movie. Yeah. Um, Someone made the point, I get, sorry, I'm so sorry, we will go back to the movie after this, that like... Thor's PTSD is, like, used for laughs, like, in, uh, whatchamacallit, yeah. Endgame, and it's like, poor Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, like, anyway, um. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, moving on. No, like, it's just, like, there's so much wrong with Thor's character, like, everybody's making fun of the weight he gained, like, I was like, I'm not in love with these fat jokes, I'm not in love with the fact that, like, he feels like a failure, like, that shit sucks. Right, like, everybody died. 
Indeed. Okay, back to Final Girls. Okay. So, so they are so, in the camp. Well, yeah. So the, everything the, looks so much better than Friday the Thirteenth, though. Yeah, like all of the color is mega pumped up. Yeah. So like the the well they they after Kurt throws the keys, they all go looking for them, and they're just like basically like talking about how much Kurt, like Kurt sucks, yeah. and then like. At this at this point in the movie, a well, Max and her mom have sort of a a con- like a connecting moment. Yeah, um, Nancy is telling Max like Kurt says he really likes me. <laughs> Max is basically like, under no circumstance are you to give it up to Kurt. And Nancy's <laughs> like, I really want to grow this summer. I want to drink. I want to party. I want to you know. Sleep with Kurt, uh, <laughs> and Nan, uh, Max is like, uh, just hold on, just you know, like chill. <laughs> there, there's a, um, so, uh, I was gonna bring up. There's this like how I met your mother moment, where like <laughs> the only good character on that show, or, or the the female characters are good on that show. The rest of them can go fuck themselves. Like um, Kobe Smolder's character, Robin, is like. Her little sister, played by Lucy Hale, shows up mm-hmm. and wants to lose her virginity to her dumbass boyfriend. But then, like, Ted kind of has a talk with her and, like, kind of makes her convinced, like, you know, your first time should be somebody special, not just, like, the first asshole. And then, like... <laughs> Very elegant. <laughs> um, and, like, so, like, Lucy Hale's upset and Coley Smulders is, like... Oh, come here, it's okay. And then, like, behind, like, Lucy Hill's back, like, Colby Smulders, like, fist pumping, like, yes. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, that's a a move. (laughs) So anyway, so they're looking for the keys now, and they see there is this, like, I don't know, was she a counselor? Or was she just this free spirit in the woods? And this hiker... I think it's totally supposed to be that horror movie thing where they're like, hey, we're going to introduce you to two inconsequential characters. You will not learn their names or their motives. They will definitely get naked. That's why we hired super hot people. (laughs) And then they will be sort of summarily just murdered in front of you. Yeah. I thought it was very strange that why can I not remember this character's name? Caleb? Duncan? Duncan! Fuck! (laughs) Duncan! is like let's watch i was like can we not i don't want to so yeah um this hiker and this free-spirited person in the woods just end up getting killed um and then like duncan in the most horror movie shit ever they are kissing she they are like definitely both very into it it's like super passionate like and then she's like turn around and get ready and then she kind of like musses her hair and futzes with her top for, like, a, a weirdly long time. A horror movie amount of time. A.K.A. just enough time that he is murdered by Billy the murderer. <laughs> and then she turns around and is like, what, what, what? <laughs> and, she, like, and she says something horrible, like, where's that, show me the beef or something? Because <laughs> <laughs> where is the beef? I, if any of you are younger, I am sure you have not heard about the Where's the Beef Lady. It was a campaign that ran in the late 80s. And so I guess at the time it would have been considered very funny. But <laughs> the best part is that they were like, they hammer it home in that clumsy way where horror movies are like, if you didn't laugh at this joke the first time, we are definitely going to make you laugh at it the second time. So she says, I said, where's the beef? And then Billy attacks her. Yeah, and Duncan is just like, oh man, like, he takes a selfie with Billy, and he talks about, like... And everyone is 
horrified. Yeah, and he's talking about like, oh, like the, the like this is how the movie happens. Like we just got to play it out. We're not in the movie, so we can just be here safely. And then he's summarily slashed the torso by Billy's giant machete. Well, Billy gets very close to him, basically sniffs him and walks away. And they're like, ah. And then the machete comes flying from out of frame and gets Duncan. Yeah. And, everyone I, behaves very realistically and nobody checks on Duncan and everyone runs away. Yeah. Um, I do. I do like the fact that, like... They, they made the, the good choice of, like, let's get rid of the expert immediately. It's like killing off the voice of reason in another horror movie. I was movie. wondering how it must have felt to be Thomas Middleditch in that moment, though. Because I have to assume it was a pretty fun shoot. Yeah. Well, he, uh, <laughs> so he, um, so they run off, and we keep seeing them come running in from various angles, and we see Tina being like, like, hey, you're back! And, like, and then, like, they run away, and the other counselor... It's like a very Keystone Cop moment where they're like... <laughs> like... They can't run away from the camp. They just keep coming in from a different angle. Like circling back yeah. around. Like one time they make a right, but they circle back around. One time they go straight, but they circle back around. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so they come to the conclusion basically that like, look, we're trapped here. Mm-hmm. We just have to play this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Kurt, like, they, um, Kurt and Nancy are about to do the deed. <laughs> they burst in, they bust into that. Well, the, the outsiders, um, have decided that they each need to oh. basically chaperone. Okay, yeah, well, they, they stop, they, they, uh, Cordis interrupt us, Nancy and Kurt. Well, that's because Max is already there. Yeah. Because they've all been... So Max t- is assigned to her mom. <laughs> you forgot the very well, funny scene where Chris gives Kurt a very... <laughs> oh, well, 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 Vicky shows up after that. Like, they, 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 they coitus interrupt it. Like, they get back to the cabin. They're like, oh, fuck. And they start hearing the Billy noise, which is basically the Jason noise. And it's just, and like, Max is like, oh, fuck, my mom. And it goes running upstairs and, like, stops that action from happening. And then that's when Vicky shows up. And Vicky is the final girl. Yes. And they're like, we need to stick with Vicky. Vicky will kill Billy. And then we're home free. Oh, true. But then then they decide they that, each need one? Yeah, because somebody's hanging out with Vicky. Yeah. Um, I think it's... Um, oh, no. I keep saying Vicky. I think it's somebody else. Um, but, but, like, that, and that's Tina. No. Paula, Paula, Paula's the final girl. Vicky hangs out with Paula. Vicky is our friend from the before. <laughs> from the before times. So then, um, Chris gives, uh, Kurt a pep talk that's like, you will not sleep with anyone. I don't want you to think about it at all. And Kurt's like, come on! <laughs> and Chris is like, no! <laughs> and, and they're like looking at, like... A play, a playboy. Oh yeah, well he like Kurt, uh, Kurt also says like some homophobic slurs, and and Chris says my dad's are gay, so you better shut the hell up. <laughs> and Kurt, in like sort of the most naive turn of events, said, "Men can't have children; they're too busy clubbing." <laughs> Which is like such, it's like such a perfectly in like. The thing, the reason that I think this movie works, where if they just made 
a dumb homophobic character just to have a dumb homophobic character is that you know that Adam Devine is not mean-spirited. He's like the goofy every every guy. Like he, I I really don't think he is a genuinely mean bone in his body. Yeah. That's why Comedy Central is like, guess what? We're giving you a show called Adam Devine's House Party. <laughs> because he's just like, like his character on Workaholics, he's just like a doofus. <laughs> um, and... Not to make this sound like a total love letter to Adam Devine, I didn't know that I had such strong feelings about him <laughs> until I started talking about I, him. I also like there's a moment where Vicky is just like, we can't send Max off of Nancy. Like, like she keeps like, she she said just said she can't handle it. Like she's like, it's not your mom. You're gonna get us all killed. And everyone's like, the fuck, Vicky. <laughs> and while, while while I was also on everybody's side calling out Vicky, I was also thinking to myself like, Vicky's basically like smocked to Kirk. Like you're emotionally compromised. I'm taking you off the mission. Exactly. <laughs> like, so anyway, um, you know, it's just like really funny interactions with people. Like, Vicky, like, Tina doesn't understand the iPhone. Well, or why she's not allowed to take her clothes off. Yeah. They put her in a life preserver. They put oven mitts on her hands. Um, and at one point, um, Nancy is just like, I love this because there's no shame attached to her. She's like, like Tina's already had sex twice already. Like, yeah. on the, like, the first hours they've been there. And she says, you know, Tina's kind of dumb. And Max is like, you don't talk to her anymore. And Nancy's like, but we carpooled. It's it's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, eventually it's kind of, eventually they um, kind of let spill what's happening. Um, well, they have to, because things get so crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, I don't think anybody dies up until that point. I think they just, I mean, besides Duncan. No, so the thing is, that they all travel into the house for the sleepover. Everyone keeps talking about the sleepover. You're going to miss the sleepover. We have to go to the sleepover. So they decide to tell all of the the movie counselors um, what who Billy is. And this triggers Nancy saying, oh, Billy, that's just a myth or a fable or whatever. Yeah. And this is when the flashback starts, and I especially liked this effect, where it's sort of, it appears like there's, like, clear goo, or mm -hmm. basically, like, reality is melting into the flashback. The flashback is especially brutal. Um, yeah. Billy is, like, a tall, gawky kid. Uh, they, this seems to be an all-man camp. Uh, the campers are assholes, the counselors are assholes, they, he locks himself in the outhouse and they throw fireworks in there. We have to watch the scene, like, three different times. I did not like that. But this is what caused Billy, while he was recuperating, to, um, come up with a revenge plot. And that's why Billy murders counselors. So it's sort of the opposite of Friday the 13th. Because no, in that, he was killed by parents, so he kills kids? N no, and <laughs> what happened was... Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street. What happened in, Fri in Friday the 13th, in it Friday was 13 the mom. Yeah, the first one's the Spoiler mom. Spoiler alert for a 40-year-old movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, that was such an endocrine <laughs> <laughs> She'd be proud. Yeah, show me a Skinner, I'll date him. <laughs> um, well, she does end up with Flanders. Um, what? 
Yeah. After Maud does? Well, Flanders, like, Flanders, yeah, like, he gets around, like. The, I really, the, I have not watched The Simpsons in, like, 20 seasons, the, but that is wild to me, because Edna's, like, a little bit of a hellcat. Yeah, well, I mean. Is he okay with her smoking? I, I, I think she kind of, like, gives it up for him. That is so wild that there is all these things still happening on The Simpsons. But, but when, um, when the, vo- I wish I could remember the voice actress's name, like, when she passed away, they fil- they made this little scene where it was, like, Flanders, you know, sitting has the, like, black armband on, yeah. and he's just, like, remembering her, like, Wait, the- Maud died? No, uh, the, the voice actress for Edna Krabappel died. Oh my god! And, like, they, he met, remembers them dancing and whatnot, and then, like, he's just like... So wait, did they kill Mrs. Krabappel as well? Yeah. And, well, they don't say exactly what happened, I don't think, but, like, he's just remembering her, and then he's just like, oh, I'm gonna miss her laugh. And then Nelson pops his head in the window and goes, ha ha! And then he goes, I miss her too. Oh, I, That's wild! I mean, so I, wait! It's Flanders? Who's Flanders with now? I don't know. How uh, did Flanders, the Flanders' sons, take to Edna as a stepmom? I don't know. Uh, like, all, I, all I remember was seeing the little scene. I, I just remember, like, being sad when... That's, the, like, a lot. Yeah. What a bummer! Boo! <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, anyway. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Frank, I'm booing you for a plot that happened on a show that I have not watched in forever. <laughs> That you have no control over. I mean, if I did, well, if I had con- that kind of control over the universe, a lot of things would be different. <laughs> over the Simpsons universe. What if, like, no, if, 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 I was saying if I could decide who lives and who dies, a lot of things would be different. <laughs> right, we are talking about fictional characters. I need you to... Turn like, it back. Re- <laughs> okay. Refocus. Alright, so, oh, um, but yeah, so... But my other favorite thing is in the flashback, it says summer of 1957. They have to step over the little thing that says the, summer of The text is a physical object in the scene. And I I very much... I know, that car. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I very much liked uh, sort of the, the back and forth between we're in the film, the film is happening around us, and then the meta bit of he if we're playing within the rules of the film here this is what we need to do yeah so um they um everybody freaks out vicky and kurt especially and they're just like they hop in um vicky's trans am and they go peeling out and <laughs> duncan comes out of the woods and he's like hey guys i'm still alive <laughs> this was so much like i was not as taken aback by the movie deaths as i thought i was going to be because they were if they showed them they were so wildly over the top (laughs) so he gets hit by the trans am and like and that have um what was the woman's name paula and kurt and them and so they're screaming. Did you watch the bloopers? Yes. Oh my god. So apparently Ad- they just let Adam Devine like ad-lib the shit out of this scene. <laughs> and the whole time Paula looks like she's gonna throw up because she's suppressing her laughter. And he's just saying crazy shit like 
well, if we sleep together, I won't tell the cops. We should go to the the take they did use. He says, you know, we should go to a hotel and you know, calm down, sort of see where it goes, and pulls like the fuck. So almost immediately after they hit Duncan, they speed right into one of the signposts, holding up the sign for the uh, camp, and then. Kirk goes through the windshield and just, they use so many dummies in this film to such great comedic effect because the first death we see of the hikers, uh, Billy picks up the hippie girl, the free spirit, and he's so clearly a dummy. Like, they did not bother to hide that this is a mannequin at all. And Billy just throws this mannequin body. So in this, we see Kurt ragdolled. It's like, again, a CPR dummy or something. And they were like, oh, but Paul is okay. Oh, thank God. And, and, and Chris is like, Paul, don't move. And then the, the car just explodes. And like, oh, God. Into the biggest fireball. And this is when they decide they need to come up. Why do you keep touching my work back? Uh-huh. It's so funny. Um, they need to come up with another plan. They, they, okay. I, don't know, I think they're both asleep. So, yeah, they come up with like a battle plan, essentially. We get a very good um, montage of... Preparing for battle of Billy. Um, oh, but also we run into a problem. Like, they're like, we're going to use Tina's bait. She's going to strip tease. That'll bring him forward. Because um, they, they've they decided that anytime <laughs> there are boobs, they say anytime, oh, anytime a top comes off, you're probably going to have to lift her up. She's having trouble with her hips. Um, anytime a top comes off, Billy shows up. So it's been decided that basically... To summon Billy, and I like, they don't do any bare boobs, it's all bras. Mm-hmm. Um, to summon Billy, someone needs, a lady needs to take her top off. Yeah. Um, so they, um, like, they come up with this whole battle plan. The major, cor- like, the major uh, wrench thrown in it is that um, Tina takes three of Vicky's Adderall. I think she said she took 30. Oh, yeah. So she is... <laughs> Wiling out, basically. <laughs> the best part is, in the original film, she was supposed to do a strip tease, but this strip tease is so heightened. <laughs> like, all of her movements are very jerky and super aggressive. <laughs> and when she finally opens up the... um. She does flash her bikini top, but then she just screams, like, full-on battle screams, like... It's, uh, it's a war cry. Yes, like the <laughs> Mel Gibson movie with the face paint. Braveheart. Or, yeah. I, I was thinking more Xena Warrior Princess. She's like, ah! <laughs> and so Billy shows up, and they're like, Tina, you just... We need you to stay there. You have to be the bait. But Tina takes off. And Billy comes in, and they hit him with the battering ram, and then why does that character, we haven't really mentioned him, he does he isn't Blake. given a ton of, like, um, why does he go so close to Billy? He kisses Gertie and says, I love you. I think he's going for the machete, because they, they, they believe that cutting his head off with the machete, which is how the movie ends, is what will, like, take care of us. And it's supposed to be Max because Max is a virgin. Yeah. And, you know, Nancy says, but I didn't sleep with Kurt. I'm still a virgin. And Max is like, it takes a while for them to convince Max, but then they decide that it will be Max. But so Blake is killed. Gertie runs down to um, check on him. 
And then <clears throat> they hit um, Billy with flaming arrows, and that doesn't work. And so they have a, a second exit in the back. And I've been reading this book about the writer's rooms at um, The Sopranos and The Wire and Mad Men. And the interesting part about location scouting on The Wire is they're like, any sort of trap house or dealer house would always have a second exit. We can't have a location without a second exit. And I thought it was interesting that this cabin, the counselor cabin... Second exit. But they don't go out the second exit. They go upstairs. Yeah, I think because... Um, yeah. Cause why, because they have another plan for upstairs. Um, and also, we had a moment with Vicky, Gertie, and Max. Where Vicky's like, like very upset as she's sharpening a spear. And Gertie and Max are like, uh, you okay? She's like... It's like super confessional. Yeah, she's like, I'm the bitchy girl in the horror movie. I know what happens to me. Like... And honestly, I was getting Happy Death Day vibes from that, because, like, Tree is just like, this is what happens, like, I'm the, the awful girl. Um, so she had, it was like an unburdening. Yeah. So she, like, explains, like, oh, you know, you just went inside when your mom died, and then when you came back out, you started hanging out with Gertie all the time, and there was no room for me. Like... And she explains the, uh... <laughs> I don't remember what the rumor she spread about Gertie was, but the rumor that Gertie spread about her, about Vicky, is that Vicky is a weird disease that makes her get her period all of the time. Yeah. Um, and so, like, they uh, they like they make up. Um, and this is what happens is, like, a bookcase falls on Gertie and... Well, Billy pushes it. Yeah. Because they're supposed to... Um, empty a bucket of something flammable onto Billy, but that doesn't... The bucket gets stuck. So he pushes the bookcase on them. Max tries to save them, but they basically tell her, no, go save yourself and Chris and Nancy. And then... Um, and I actually teared up when this happened. When... Because, well, um, like, cause, well, Gertie gets stabbed through the bookcase. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, like, that's when Vicky says, go, get out of here. And mm -hmm. she reaches out and takes Gertie's hand. Like... And her and Gertie um, lock eyes. And then Vicky hits the bucket so that it falls on Billy and sets him on fire. Yeah, and, like, a bunch of firecrackers go off. Um, and so we... Um, they're they're fleeing. Uh, so now it's just... Who's left is Nancy, Chris... And Max. And they're out in the woods. Yeah, and, um, like, and, I, like, part of me was just like, we could have held off a few more minutes on this joke, because everything goes into slow motion. I like that. I thought it was, because it was perfect, because if they are going to spend the money to do all of those pyrotechnics... And have um, a stunt guy be on fire for as long as the stunt guy had to be on fire because those did not seem like CGI flames. You're gonna you're gonna put the money into the slow mo. So they uh, Nancy says, "What's happening?" <laughs> and Max says, "Slow mo." Yeah. So as Billy is slowly <laughs> pacing towards them on fire, I I disagree completely. I, I think it was perfect. So, I, I think I'm just like I think it's just my old annoyance with the Marvel movies coming up where I'm just like wow that's a really emotional beat and immediately a joke awesome thanks Marvel 
Frank, you have to protect that fragile masculinity. With this, it was just a perfectly timed killer on fire joke. Fair enough. Um, so then, like, um, they get they arrive at a church. Um, Chris gets stabbed. Well, first they pop into the flashback. Oh, right, right, right. Um, like, Max is like, Nancy, start telling the story again. Well, they, they've, like, popped out of the slow-mo. Mm-hmm. They have to... The last time we see the slow-mo is when Max yells, Drop! They, like, jump over a chasm, but they don't make it. And they're kind of, like, lying at the bottom of this ridge. And Billy is standing over them. And that's when they go into the slow-mo. And we see all of the... The flashback. Yeah, the flashback. And we see all of, like, the melty reality. And Billy's like, the fuck? <laughs> and then he immediately gets hit by the car from the other from the older counselors. And so then we see flashback Billy run into the woods to a house that Nancy has never seen before. So then when they pop out of the flashback, Chris has been hit and Nancy has been snatched by Billy. Yeah. Um, And Chris is basically like, Max, I'm so sorry, Nancy is dead. And Max is like, no, she's not. Yeah. Um, And she goes like... Max goes to go save Nancy. Um, they manage to get away from... Well, after Max leaves Chris in the church, and Chris says, I don't want to die alone, and Max very confidently says, no one else is dying today. And I yeah. was like, Chris, you can't like really guarantee that. <laughs> um, so, Chris has been pretty wounded. Yeah. He's so good. Um, Frank's like, my boy! <laughs> What have you done to my boy? <laughs> I just, now I'm just imagining myself looking over like Chris, like Chris in the mortuary, and just like they massacred my boy. <laughs> Look what they did to my boy! <laughs> like in the Godfather. Yes, Frank. Obviously, that's what I was referencing. <laughs> Some people might not have seen it. <laughs> okay, we are so close to the end. Okay, so um. They, they realize they can't beat Billy the way they are. And Nancy's like, I'm not the final girl. You are. And, like... But Max also says, like, you're, you're, you're my mom. Like, and she's just like, I... Like, they have just a beautiful moment together. And I was, like, <laughs> also tearing up during this. So do you know what's so interesting? The, the first time they meet and Max is tearing up like almost immediately i thought that work was great and i i remember how in the first season of american horror story they made tessa tessa farmiga they made her cry constantly like that character just cried her way through season one and you know i'm glad for her in this film she did not have to cry as much but she is very she's like very good at a subtle cry build yeah it's not like that. She doesn't have to do the the face cover stuff where she's like, oh. <laughs> it's like my fake cry. Yeah. She, she, you know, it's almost immediately glossy eyes, like full face. <laughs> Are you touching the fur collar as I go? <laughs> I just want to pet a cat. No more around. <laughs> Tara's insulted. <laughs> she's not near me. I can't pet her. Anyway, um, so yeah, so, um, but. We see, um, so in part of when Max was conveying to Nancy what she's like as, like, a real-life mom in this other reality. Again, it's a little confusing. Just walk with us. Um, 
she mentions the Bette Davis eyes, not Bette Midler eyes. So Nancy goes out into the middle of the field and unbuttons her camp counselor shirt and we and is dancing in the rain to Bette Davis. I, I want to say Bette Midler eyes so bad. <laughs> and um, we see Billy come up and it's like very hard to watch because you're like, oh my God, he's going to kill her. Um, so then Max runs out and scoops up the machete her and Billy fight. Uh, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, she somehow ends up back at the church. Um, now, I think he has another little knife, not his giant machete, because like they they he ha- threw his little knife. Oh no! He okay. No, like what happens is like she goes out, she does the strip tease, and then somehow Max ends up back at the church with Chris. And, like, she's, before she picked up the machete, like, they have the machete. Now he has a little knife. Yeah. Um, and, like, honestly, like, this movie made the most poignant striptease I've ever seen. Where I'm just like, oh, no, Nancy. Because, yeah. like, when she just gets very simply stabbed just kind of falls over. And you're like, no. It's, you know, it's true with much more weight than any of the other deaths we've seen so far. So, like, before, like, Max picked up the machete. And she's like, wow, this is really heavy. Now she's, like, holding it in one hand and just, like, spinning it like an expert as, like... She's wielding it. Yeah, she's, like... I, I read the Wikipedia, and it's, like, she has the power of the final girl. Yeah. And, like, now it's, like, they're, her and Billy are basically on e- equal footing mm-hmm. for the most part, and she, like, they're just wrecking house on each other. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a really cool moment where he throws a knife and she does that sick knee slide under it. Like, yeah. Very Matrixy Neo type stuff, and eventually, like she cuts his head off. Chris shows up, and we cut to the like old seventies and eighties like rating screen at the end, and they're just standing in front of like what happened, and then like the the film basically starts like freaking out, and well, if because it's an eighties film, it must have been on actual. Mm. Like, celluloid. Yeah. So, once a, a movie runs all the way through, you see the end of the the physical film flapping. So, we see that. We see the cigarette burns, like, the, the burn mark at the end. And all of a sudden, Max wakes up in a hospital. And Chris is in the bed next to her. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she hears the three other friends. And she's like, we're here. We're all here. We're okay. And she says, she's Duncan's there. And she says to Duncan, like... Was that all? You're alive, and he says, "Yeah, but that was all real." And shows his machete wound, and then starts talking about tetanus, and then they hear a doctor and nurse flirting and talking, and the doctor starts unbuttoning the nurse's uniform, and we get quick, like camera slides from Rubik's cube to I don't remember what the other tab, tab, (laughs) the other two items, Oscar, (laughs) and so. This is the chaos I live in. Cat's <laughs> just walking across the computer keyboards. You probably hear him crinkling and sniffing into my mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, then <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're we're about to finish, so I'm not gonna chew him. Yeah. But uh, Duncan smiles with the realization that this is uh, the sequel, Camp Bloodbath Two. Summer. Cruel Summer. Cruel Summers, yeah. Um, so the song Cruel Summer starts playing as we see Max 
wielding again <laughs> a, an IV stand. Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie cuts to black. I love this. I thought it was fantastic. Well, yeah, solid 9 out of 10. Like, Yeah, a, a solidly written film, a solidly acted film, a solidly directed and choreographed film, um, cinematography. I mean, fantastic. Well, we highly recommend it. PG-13... Yeah, it's it's not like if if you're if you don't like blood, it's not bl- like bloody at all. Yeah. Like it's very good. I was just checking. There's it out. one scene where uh, when they come back from the flashback, Gertie has been sprayed by um, counselor blood when uh, Billy takes his revenge, <laughs> and now that she's in color, uh, all of the actual film counselors start screaming and run out. <laughs> I thought that was, like, a very nice touch. But, so, next week we'll be doing Attack the Block. Um, so if you want a copy of Love and Monsters, uh, write us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. If you have questions, suggestions, whatever, write us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group and page uh, that you can follow. If you could rate and review us on iTunes, five stars, please. We would love that. Uh, and in Frank has another podcast. It's called I Hope I Can Make It Through with his friend Donnie. Susie has a Tumblr called Kevin James is a Giant Peach. Uh, link is in the description. It's where her and her friend Ryan do in-depth and like academic looks at Kevin James films. It's amazing. We're doing uh, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry this week. <laughs> so until next week, I am Susie Coda. I'm Frank Coda. Team Coda. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.